my coaching philosophy, I've kind of like developed over the years and it's just been influenced by my life experiences and my backgrounds. But one of my main bullet points is, is I call it running on kindness. I think it's so important to just have kindness in everything that you do. And in running, we can incorporate kindness in so many ways. Welcome to 8020 Endurance with Matt and Hannah. And, you know, you're always supposed to say you're excited, extra excited. You can't be the most excited for every single guest you have on a podcast, but this one is special. We've got Jessica Riojas Schneer, the very first Coaches of Color Initiative apprentice as our guest on the program today. Pretty cool. Hey, Hannah. Pretty cool. Yes, I know. Every intro, we always say we're excited. But this one is very, very special. And you really, really get to learn about Jessica, who you'll see lots more of. So excited to provide her a great apprenticeship. And one way that you can help is to join our virtual challenge in the month of February. The entire month, we'll be hosting a virtual challenge where we have 20 or 80 minute challenges running biking swimming and you can sign up for one of those plans they're twenty dollars and eighty cents isn't that cute (laughs) plus a little processing fee (laughs) but all of that will go towards helping jessica and her apprenticeship to increase diversity in the endurance sports coaching space yes so there's obviously something in it for you if you're just looking for a reason to train and get fit and test your metal to start 2022 but yes there's something in it for jessica and after you listen to this podcast you will definitely want to do what you can to support her love that quote we placed at the top about coaching with kindness i don't know what it is about me but i I really enjoy when a coach says something that I would never say, and I feel like (laughs) I'm not that good. (laughs) I think after she explained her coaching philosophy, you said, will you be my coach? (laughs) Right. There you have it. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's all we need to say about that. (laughs) Yes. And you probably want her to be your coach as well. (laughs) No, no, no. You're great. But yeah, Jessica, just... Such a sweet soul, kind heart, best intentions, and do support her, support the Coaches of Color Initiative by going to 8020foundation.org. Enjoy the conversation. Jessica Schneer, welcome to 8020 Endurance, the podcast that's 80% asphalt and 20% Matt's fault. Welcome. (laughs) Hi, thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited to be on with you guys. So it's really, really special to have you as our guest today. This has been a long time in coming, in a sense. I can't remember when the seed for the Coaches of Color Initiative first was planted in... It's a matter of debate, actually, whether it was David Warden's brain or or mine. But it was very much collaborative. It was just an idea. And it's the coolest thing in the world when an idea turns into something that's real and then there's like a human being attached to it. So that's not really a question. I just want to say I'm thrilled to be talking to you right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, on my side of things too, I don't know, the seeds have been planted in my brain for a while to be a coaching. So that's just really exciting for me. I think the timing for this was just really impeccable because I think the timelines just crossed so well. It was meant to be. Yeah. Yes. It is so crazy to think about like one year ago, not to make this about me, but (laughs) one year year ago, (laughs) 
Okay, here we go. One year ago, I wasn't even an employee at 8020 Endurance, and now we have two employees and we have this foundation and you're here a part of that and many more to come after you so it's just cool to think about what a year can do yeah yeah definitely it's crazy I don't know I feel like so much can happen in a year and it doesn't feel like that long but there's just so much that happens (laughs) absolutely well let's kick it off with your life story you were born on no I'm just kidding But you do you do have some some awesome stories after reading your application, watching the video that you submitted to you you have a lot of things to share. So you grew up in Iowa, right? Let's kick it off there. Midwest represent. Yes, yep, yep. I grew up in Iowa. I'm from a pretty small town. It's called Clinton. Most people have never really heard of it before, but it's right in the Quad City area. Yeah, and I grew up there. I've lived there pretty much my whole life. And then I went to school at Iowa State University, which is about three hours in central Iowa. I love Iowa. I love the Midwest. I always feel a connection when I meet people out here. Um, I live in San Diego now. But um, I always feel a connection when I meet people from the Midwest out here, and it's just, it's awesome. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your family, you know, parents, siblings, occupations, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, my parents, my mom is from South Korea, actually. She immigrated way before I was born. And then my dad is actually Hispanic, and he's mostly from Chicago, kind of like Chicago area. But he was in the Army and was actually stationed in South Korea, where he met my mom. And then, you know, they, the classic love story, they fell in love and then she moved back to the U.S. with him. And then I have one older sister. She's actually 12 years older than me and she has three kids, actually a fourth one on the way. So now soon four kids, really exciting. I give a lot of credit to them for like who I am today. They've really shown me what hard work really means. My parents, they are small business owners and they, neither of them actually have college degrees, but they own a small restaurant, bar and grill um, in Clinton. And my mom's also a general contractor. They were both realtors at one point, and you know they do a little bit of everything. So I feel like I've learned so much from them about just what it really means to to be a hard worker. How to hustle. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> Love that. What was it like growing up in Iowa? I had family from there, and again, I'm also from the Midwest, so I know diversity is a bit harder to come by in some towns in the Midwest. So what was that like for you? Right, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think especially in my hometown, like these days now, I think, you know, things are diversifying a lot, um, which is really great. But, you know, I definitely have some memories when I was younger of, you know, there weren't that many people of color. You know, there were definitely a few here and there. But for the most part, you know, I was definitely a, a primarily white area, especially in some of the more rural areas. So I just, I wouldn't say that it really affected me too much, but I just feel like, you know, when it comes to representation, I didn't necessarily have role models or people to look up to that looked like me, aside from within my own family. I'd say like, once I started branching out more, and especially when I went off to college and started meeting more people and I think social media also is just a huge way to make the world seem smaller. So that definitely helped me pick out more people that I could look up to that I could also relate to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, social media for better or for worse. Can yeah, yeah, definitely. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so fun fact, I lived in Iowa when I was a young boy. Oh, briefly. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 My family moved there, I think, when I was... Oof, three. We were only there for maybe a year and a half or or so. My dad was in graduate school in Ames. Yeah. And, you know, I have, I was very young. I have some memories and, you know, when I go, when I go through them in my mind, I can't remember interacting with anyone who wasn't white. 
So I, I probably had a different experience. You know, you said it wasn't really an issue for you, but like, I mean, was it, what impact did it have to not, you know, just be around a bunch of white people, frankly? Right. I mean, I think the biggest thing is, you know, representation. If you grow up and you see all these people who are very successful or that you look up to like scientists or teachers or whoever it might be and they don't necessarily look like you I think that can that can definitely impact especially like a young kid because if you see all these people doing all these great things and you want to visualize yourself doing that it's so much easier to do if that person looks like you or you can relate to them on some certain level whether that be via like racial backgrounds or gender or anything like that so I think definitely it probably impacted me I think I grew up most of my life just not knowing what I wanted to do next. And I, I always kind of wonder, like, was it because I didn't have role models growing up that looked like me, aside from within my own family, of course, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about. I mean, it's one of the many things that you don't notice when you're a kid that right. probably has a huge impact on you. Right, absolutely. Well, let's talk about running a bit more, unless, Matt, you <laughs> do have further <laughs> questions. <laughs> Sorry, I heard an inhale on your end. I've got I've got a whole bunch of questions, but not about <laughs> Iowa per se. Okay. We're done with Iowa. Moving on. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> you go, Matt. Well, shoot. When did you start running? Because yeah, you mentioned you mentioned in in your personal statement uh, that you submitted with with your application that you started quite young. But how young is young? Yeah, honestly, I I have memories from you know being very young, doing like local five Ks and things like that. But honestly. I can say there probably wasn't really much running involved with that. You know, like when little little kiddos do the 5Ks, it's a lot of walking, to be honest. So I have memories doing that. But I think my most early memory that I remember really like going out for a run was in sixth grade. And it's actually kind of a funny story. I, I didn't really want to go for a run that day, but I actually I got in trouble for some reason. I don't remember exactly what happened. I think I maybe got a detention in school for talking or something. And in my household, that wasn't tolerated. We don't get detentions. We don't disobey teachers and things like that. And at that point, I think my parents had recognized, like, Jessica has regrets. Like, she knows what she did wrong. But we still want to have some sort of punishment associated with this this big thing that happened. So they actually let me make a decision in my punishment. They were like, okay, you can either be grounded for, like, a week or something, or you can go for a two-mile run with your mom. So <laughs> my mom's always like kind of a, a big runner, but she always did it at like 5 a.m. So like I knew she did it, but I, I just knew it was something that she did while I was sleeping when I was young. And, you know, so naturally I picked going for the two mile run with my mom because I figured, OK, my punishment will be done by the end of the day today instead of a week from now being grounded from whatever it might be. So I went for the run with my mom and it honestly was not so great. I'm pretty sure she like let me off early because I was struggling so bad on this two mile run. <laughs> she felt pity for me and was like, all right, like you can just go home. I see you learned your lesson. And actually from that day on, I kind of vowed a sixth grader knows everything in their life at that point. Um, I was like, I'm never going to be distance runner. That was awful. I hated this. But naturally, I think as a lot of passions do, I kept getting drawn back in. And I joined the track team, like middle school track team. I think everyone, you know, was on the track team in middle school. But it was like all my best friends were on the track team. So naturally, I have to be too. And at that point, I was like, only sprints. Like, I'm only going to be a sprinter. There's no way I'm going to be a distance runner. And I very quickly learned that to be a sprinter, you kind of need some fast twitch muscle fibers and those definitely lack in my body. I don't really have many of those at all. Um, 
And I think I had some coaches that kind of noticed that in me and noticed that I was doing a little bit better in the farther distances. I wasn't like a, a great athlete by any means at this point, but from then on, I kind of figured out that I'm probably more of a distance athlete. I'm just based off of natural abilities alone. So then I was in track for the rest of middle school and in high school, but to be honest, I still had a pretty on and off again relationship. I didn't love it. I didn't like totally hate it all the time, but I kind of just did it because my best friends did it and you know it's mostly community for me. I think it was about my junior year I was pretty set on not going out for the track team that year either because I just really wasn't enjoying it. Running wasn't really my thing I felt like at that point but I had a coach actually that was like well no you're you're going out for the track team. You're still coming to practice you know when we start up again this year there's no question about it like you're doing it and I remember feeling like a little bit mad but being like okay like this coach is great. Like I've always loved her so much. So I'll do it, I guess. I can't imagine another season without my coach and my team. So I went out again for that year. And then I think it was about senior year that things finally started clicking for me, where I was like, I actually really love running. And I credit that too, because I joined the cross country team finally for the first year. And I think my only regret in high school is not doing cross country all four years. It was the best experience. I loved that team and they really taught me that running is my place. And so I think that's when things started to click and senior year track season rolled around. Um, I had a few offers to run for a few like really small schools in Iowa and like community colleges and things. But I decided that that kind of wasn't really going to be um, my path because I wanted to go to a large research institution. I think I just kind of knew that I wanted to be surrounded by those brains and those professors and things. I went to Iowa State University and I was so lucky to find that we had the running club because I give a lot of credit to that community too for making me into who I am today. I don't think I would have gone out for a run every day when I was in college if it weren't for them. So that was kind of like my pinpoint. I can almost trace it back exactly to them. That's why I'm still running today. That's such an interesting background because, like, we've talked about this with previous guests, too, that running is oftentimes a form of punishment for different sports. And so a lot of athletes will not enjoy running because they that's what they remember running being is punishment. Right. And for you, that's exactly what it was, yeah. but here you are. <laughs> and it took a while for you to fall in love with the sport. Yeah, it took, honestly, a really long time. Like, sometimes I look back and I'm like, I can't believe that I, like, went through all of that and like I remember many many races in like middle and high school where I was the person who came in last place like and I didn't enjoy that at all like I felt very embarrassed by that but I think that's also kind of shaped me into who I am today too so I'm I'm thankful for that journey and I'm very thankful to be where I am today and you know I, I think it ties a lot into the community like the community is really what's kept me here. So there was a line in your personal statement to go back to it that jumped out to me and I'm going to quote back to you re regarding the Iowa State University Running Club and it is, the club surrounded me with many individuals who had an almost unexplainable love for running and their community. So you say almost unexplainable there, so go ahead and explain it. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> what, I mean, What was it? Yeah, I mean, I just, I just loved their enthusiasm for being out there every day and running. Um, I just thought it was, I would go to practice every day and just be amazed that so many people would just come out there just to run. And none of them were being held down by like a, a coach. We didn't have a coach, you know, we didn't have scholarships, obviously, you know, it was a club team. We didn't have parents telling us to go run and go to practice every day. Um, but I would say it's almost unexplainable because you can just see like, you can just see the love um, in that team, like they're just 
and the, so many good friends and just the community aspect of it is really what I think kept everyone doing it. You know, we'd do our practices in the late afternoons and some days we'd be running in the dark together. We'd be running at 6 a.m. together and it's just, it was the community for sure that like held us all together, I think. It's wildly important in my opinion. Too, yes, for any, I agree. <laughs> anything, but especially for sports. What's your current running community look like? So things have been kind of crazy lately since I just moved to San Diego. Let's see, it was in May of this last year. So things have been a little bit difficult lately because of the pandemic. I feel like a lot of running clubs weren't really together at that point. But what's so beautiful, I think, is that I still feel so connected to my friends from the running club. We still talk to each other. I talk to some of them every day still. So we're still really connected with our running and um That's another really great thing I think about social media is I'm doing a lot of my runs alone right now, but I still feel like I have a community with me. And then I also run with my husband a lot. He's kind of just getting back into running right now. And then I have a few friends out here that we connect like every other weekend or so and and run together too. Nice. I'm I'm curious to know as someone who couldn't care less about the community aspect of (laughs) sports. I know, I was like... Do you notice why Matt is being very silent right now? We're about a community. It's a question I probably would have asked regardless. Like, how competitive are you? Because, you know, you, you made a choice not to, you know, take a, a scholarship off or whatever to go run for a certain college and to go that, that club route instead. But running is a sport. Right. Like, it's it's measured. But you can... You can PR, you can podium, those sorts of things. Like, does that stuff matter to you? Yeah, I mean, I I tend to think of those things as like side effects of a good training plan. You know, I love running PRs and I love, you know, getting on the podium when I can. But I I tend to say like that's not like my my goal or my why. Um, I, I, I don't know why this kind of popped in my head when you were asking me this question, but I had a coach. It was my high school cross country coach. And I very vividly remember him telling me, Jessica, I think you're one of those runners that will just get better as the distances get longer. And I don't think he necessarily had ultramarathons in mind when he said that. (laughs) But I do think that he has definitely some truth to his statement. Like, I think as the distances get longer, I feel like I definitely like excel a little bit more. I can be a little bit more competitive in those those areas. Matt, can I share the the story (laughs) we had on a call before this when you (laughs) when you asked asked me? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. No. Can I share anything that we spoke about on the call? I'm an open book. I'm going to regret okay. saying this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Matt and I spoke briefly before the, that we started recording. And he's like, is she like a fast runner? And I'm like, she ran a 312 marathon. So I don't know what your definition of fast is, but I'm in the midst of marathon training. And I was like, Holy smokes, that's fast. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> For well, all those listening. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome actually that you bring that up because in that race I actually PR'd by like five minutes. And I'd say like that was the first race where I really, really, truly deployed the 80-20 principles like in my own training. So I just, you know, a little plug in there for you guys too, I guess. <laughs> we did not pay her to say this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to know why you think it is that you get better as the distances get longer because it could be to a certain point maybe it's mostly physical just like the lack of fast twitch muscle fibers or whatever but when when you start to get to extreme distances typically people will say it it's more of a mental advantage that comes to the fore which which is it for you is it what mostly one mostly the other both 
Right. Yeah. I think I'd probably say mostly mental. I mean, I will definitely like tell us to anyone like I was not like a very talented or gifted athlete by any means when I was younger or you know to this day I think it's mostly just been like that I am excited to get out there every day and go out for a run and you know do my workouts I love races because I think it's also a really cool aspect of the community that you get to be in so I will say I think it's probably mostly mental I have a way to get around those those tough times and races and things like that What's the way you get around those tough races? <laughs> <laughs> it depends. Um, it definitely depends on what kind of race I'm running. Um, if I'm alone during a trail race, I actually really like singing. <laughs> I think that sounds really like silly. out loud. Yeah, like I sing out loud, especially during long runs. If I'm out on the trails alone, like singing is my favorite way to just get through things. And I think I also just like. I'm good at finding the play. I think it's really important to like just have fun. You know, even in races when things are really awful, like you can still find things that that are fun and that excite you. I'm thinking about that marathon that I ran. That was the San Diego Rock and Roll Marathon where I ran that PR. And I don't know why this stood out to me, but there was a guy holding this Ted Lasso believe sign. I don't know if you guys have seen Ted Lasso, but kind of the big thing is like the believe sign. And that just carried me on for such a long time. I think it's really important that you can pick out those little things in your races. And I think it's a lot easier to do those in trail races, actually. But um, just fighting the play and just having fun with it, even when things are a little rough. What was the last song that you sang out loud in a race? (laughs) Okay, I should also mention, like, I don't do it that often. Like, there's a lot of times... (laughs) In trail races where you're just You don't know what you've done by telling us that. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of times in trail races where you look ahead of you and you can see maybe a mile ahead and there's nobody. And you're like, is there anybody behind me? And you're like, I don't see anybody either. You got to entertain yourself somehow because there's no one to talk to. So you just singing is my way of doing that sometimes, (laughs) which I don't think anybody really knows that. And it's a little embarrassing, I think, now that I say it out loud. But (laughs) yeah. I'd say for songs, one of my most like top used songs to like help me get through, it's Colorful by Jukebox the Ghost. Um, not a very popular band, but um, they're- I'm writing the this so- down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the song starts off and it says like, hey, we're just getting started. Like, take Oh, you got to sing it. Yeah. You no, I'm not singing it. <laughs> I am not Stop a good singer. you're on the trails. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it for you guys. <laughs> but the lyrics go, Hey, we're just getting started. Take your fears and let them go. For the lovers and the brokenhearted, like, take a deep breath and make the world a little colorful. That is so meaningful to me because, first off, I'm one of those people that like anxiety like sometimes hits me before races. I have a lot of fear. I'm like, I'm going to be in so much pain. This is going to be awful. But just like letting that fear go. Um, and then also just the note of making the world colorful. You know, the world can be pretty, pretty sad sometimes. There's a lot of rough things out there. But, you know, just being the light for other people, putting some color in the world is so important. So that's why that song is one of my number one songs that I probably listen to out on runs. <laughs> I think it's the single best tip we have gotten from a podcast guest. Oh. <laughs> I, you know, it's like that's my new number one reason to run again is so I can try this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. I will say I don't if I'm out on the roads running and there's people around I'm not singing but <laughs> if I'm out on the trails alone I'm more than happy to like belt out a song <laughs> where were you in life when you heard about the coaches of color initiative we sort of skipped over your your education a little bit you know you you're a scientist by by training but yeah you know and, and also how did you find out about it yeah, so I guess to back up a little bit, I'll go a little bit into just my background. So while I was at Iowa State, I majored in biology and environmental science. I kind of thought I wanted to be some sort of climate scientist, so doing research in something in that area. I specifically had interest in animal behavior and entomology, so studying insects. So I worked in a lot of different labs while I was at Iowa State, ranging from I actually worked in a motor control lab for like a semester my freshman year, and we studied uh, music therapy in Parkinson's patients. And then I moved on to a soil science lab. And then I worked in a lab studying plant genetics. And then I worked in a lab, which kind of ended up being my home, where I studied paper wasps, actually. So the reason that I mentioned that, too, is because I've still been working with that lab a little bit. And we just recently published, well, I guess it's still kind of in the works, but a paper it just got accepted like last week for publication. So the reason I mentioned that is because I've still kind of been working through that. Um, and that's a lot of my background is in scientific literature and things like that. But as I found out about the Coaches of Color Initiative, I guess at the start of the pandemic, I just felt like I had all this time. You know, I wasn't able to hang out with people quite as much. I was moving a few times across the country. So that was kind of the time that I really like dove deep just into like training and training theories and um, reading a lot of books um, cover to cover just about training, um, just purely out of interest. So that was probably more at the beginning of the pandemic. and. The seeds had slowly been planted in my brain that coaching is something that maybe I want to pursue at some point. Um, not really sure, though. Like, that seems like a lofty goal. I don't know how I would ever attain that. So seeds have been planted, and I was watering them a little bit with just, like, reading books and things like that. Um, and then, let's see, I subscribed to Trail Runner magazine. I love Trail Runner. I, I love how they focus on science and they, they post a lot of articles like regarding what's recent research going on in, you know, running or endurance athletics. And then I also love how they target how do we make more diverse spaces in our communities. I just think they're a really well-rounded magazine. So I've subscribed to them and they post a lot of opportunities that are out in the world right now. And they posted about the Coaches of Color Initiative. And I read the article and I was like, oh, this is a really, really awesome program. Like, this seems cool. Like, let's let's look more into it. And I wasn't fully convinced that I was going to apply for it, actually. And that's just primarily because at this point, I had kind of narrowed down how my training and like what my coaching would look like. And I was like, well, what's this company that's doing this? Like, what's their training look like? Like, how, you know, how do they train their athletes? And it just worked out so perfectly that I was like, oh, it's put on by 80-20 endurance. I wonder if they use the 80-20 principle. <laughs> so naturally, I checked out Okay, our name didn't give it away. <laughs> yeah. We need to rebrand. We need to rebrand. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a joke. But yeah, I was like, okay, this seems like a good way. Um, so I, you know, read into 80-20. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, like we mesh, we seem to mesh nicely. I just naturally was like, this is really exciting. Like, let's put an application. I'm at a point in my life where like coaching seems amazing and I need, I'm like looking for something to do now. So, you know, it worked out perfect. Like I said, like the timing was really impeccable at this point for me. Awesome. 
You talked a bit about your coaching philosophy. I know you're not a coach right now, but in your video attached with your application, you discussed your coaching philosophy. And one thing that stood out to me was you mentioned kindness. And okay, you're nodding, so you remember. Great. Can, can you can you just reiterate that to our listeners because. It was touching, truly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. My coaching philosophy, I've kind of like developed over the years and it's just been influenced by my life experiences and my backgrounds. But one of my main bullet points is, is I call it running on kindness. I think it's so important to just have kindness in everything that you do. And in running, we can incorporate kindness in so many ways. And I think of that as, you know, being kind to others. When I'm out running on the trails, I try my best to to reach out to people and just say, hey, good morning, have a great day. Because I never know, like, what's that person experiencing? Is this their first time on the trails ever? That can be really, really intimidating. Like, when I go out to a new trail system by myself, I'm so intimidated. So I just think it's important. I want to reach out to that person and just be like, hey, like, welcome. Like, (laughs) I love you. And then, you know, I think of it as kindness to our planet. When I'm out on the trails, I'm excited to be there and I want to appreciate the world around me. But I think the most important part of running on kindness is being kind to yourself. I think that that's something that we lack. I think it's so easy for us to be really mean to ourselves. And that's obviously not, you know, what we should be doing. We should be really kind to ourselves and we should be proud of ourselves. Like this thing that we do, endurance athletics, it's not easy. And I think it's so easy to point out the bad but just getting out there every day and that's amazing and I just think that we need to be really proud of ourselves for that. Will you be my coach? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm switching. Matt, it's over. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. No, I think I mentioned this when when we first when we spoke for face to face for the very first time that one of the reasons, you know, so close to 40 very deserving individuals applied for the apprenticeship that that you have begun with us. And so, you know, you beat out some stiff competition. One of the things I liked is that, you know, despite the fact that that you are younger, that you don't have a ton of experience yet, to me, it took confidence to lay out a coaching philosophy. It's like that, that you have one and that it wasn't just copied and pasted. You got kindness in there, but science was another one. It's just like we got the yin and the yang going on. But could you t- say just a little bit more? So that was that distinguished you for, for me. But could you say a little bit more about your coaching style? Because you know, philosophy, philosophy can sort of bleed into style but when you start coaching me and hannah what kind of style <laughs> what, what kind of style can we expect i think that's an interesting question because like there's so many different coaching styles and they all work and that's what i think is so cool is like and that's why i'm really excited about this program because i get to shadow so many awesome coaches and i know you're all going to have all these wildly different coaching styles and i'm excited to learn from all of those like i'll try on coaching styles just like i'll try on shoes like some of them will work for me and some of them won't but i'll learn from it regardless but i would say like a very enthusiastic coach when things are getting rough like i'm i'm the enthusiasm like i'm here to cheer you on like i'm very excited you know to cheer you on for your two mile easy run that you have like whatever it is like, I'm going to be enthusiastic about it. On that note, I'm still here. Like, if you're not doing your workouts, I'm not afraid to kick you in the butt if you need a little extra motivation in that aspect, too. So, and I think that kind of stems off also my teaching style. So, I guess I didn't mention this, but I also have a master's in science education. And with that came a lot of training and teaching. So, I did a lot of student teaching, just being in the classroom. And again, I think my students, you know, if if you were to interview them, they would tell you that I'm very kind. I want to get to know my students and I want to be a light in their life. But 
you know, they also know not to cross me either. <laughs> like I will, I will put them in their place when they need it too. So I would say those kind of tie in well. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting to see that other side of you because I, I can't even like imagine it, right? We talk a bit about device dependency and a lot of our listeners and, and endurance athletes in general just are abuse the data that they are given or that they search for in their training and races, et cetera. And you're a scientist. And so I'm curious, what is your relationship with all of this data that we can consume as athletes? I'd say for my like training style for myself, I would say that I'm very, I don't use devices. Like I'm very um, old school, I guess I'd say. Um, I do have, you know, just a regular wristwatch that I use GPS and everything. I love this. <laughs> but I, I don't really look at anything. If anything, the only thing that I really use is the cadence. Um, I like to look at that just to see how are things going, especially when I run a marathon. I actually flip my watch like so it's facing the wrong way so I can't see what mile I'm at, what my pace is, whatever that. I just like want to, you know, run totally off of feel. But I will put the cadence up because I do like to see, especially at the end of races, what's my cadence looking like because I can probably consciously up that and that will help me. But that's pretty much the only thing that I really... I will say more so recently, I've been using a little bit of heart rate and that's actually just because I'm coming back from COVID. I had to take two weeks off because I got COVID over Christmas. So I'm using that a little bit more, but my problem with heart rate is that I feel like mine tends to be really inaccurate. Um, I don't know if it's my watch or what, but I was doing a workout once and during my warm up, it said my heart rate was like 185. And I was like, I don't think that's right. Like, I would be very concerned if I, my heart rate was really 185 right now. And then I started doing my intervals and it said my heart rate was like 120. So I was like, all right, this, there's obviously something wrong here. So I really don't well, use when that. <laughs> When you're rocking a Timex, I mean, yeah. I don't know what kind of heart rate monitors. In that. I'm just kidding. Well, I have a, a Coros Apex, so it's, they oh, have like me. good, like they have really great data metrics and things like that. But honestly, I don't use them a whole lot. I just try and go off a of feel every day for the most part. And yeah, like I said, like cadence is pretty much the biggest thing that I'll look at. Rewinding a bit, I, I, I love that. I mean, you're kind of a throwback, you know, for in this day and time and also a role model in that in that room. But so rewinding to the coaches of color, you know, clearly, obviously you are benefiting from the existence of this program because you are, you know, the, the first person who was chosen for an apprenticeship grant. But from your perspective, why is this thing, even if you hadn't been chosen, why do you think it's a good idea? I presume you do think it's a good idea generally. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was reading through this, and especially now that I've, you know, begun my apprenticeship, I just can't stop thinking about how I wish every profession had something like this. I think it's just so cool, especially with coaching. There can be some things that are a little bit nuanced and you just have to search to find your answers. But what's so beautiful about this program is like my answers are here and I can ask them and like someone will answer my question and you know someone's there to help me. So I really wish that like every profession or like every small business could have something like this because I think, you know, I feel so incredibly supported and I'm just excited to ask questions and learn from people. So I'm just I'm really excited for it. <laughs> we had a call the other night with the advisory board and Jessica and she described herself as a learner and that's like all I can think about. 
about in this conversation. It's just so evident. I hope I have enough to teach you. I'm like getting stressed. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I have like the most to learn from you. I know nothing about social media and marketing. You're literally going to be teaching a kindergartner during this, I swear. <laughs> So how's it been so far? Not disappointing, I hope. But I mean, as we as we record this interview, it is what, the 5th of January? The experience has been kind of front loaded. You know, we've had a, a lot of communication, a lot of interaction, like just, you know, setting things up. But, you know, what are your early impressions? Yeah, I'm I'm just so excited and like it's almost like better than I expected. And I think I mentioned to you yesterday, my soul cup is full. I'm just so happy. This team is just amazing. Like I, you know, I look at, you know, every single member of the advisory board and there's just all like just amazing individuals. So, you know, I just, you know, I just feel like I have so much to learn and like just so much excitement around that. Part of what I'm trying to do as one of the providers of one of the people who's trying to f- fill your soul cup is to to sort of look at things from your perspective, which is not easy for me to do, quite honestly. And one thing I I have found myself just sort of wondering is like, is any of this like intimidating for you? Or is there a pressure that you feel that I might just completely overlook it unless I ask the question I just asked you? Right. I I wouldn't describe it as intimidating, but I think like with any career change, like I said before, like I kind of had my path set towards being a climate scientist and I already had the seeds planted in my brain that, you know, coaching was going to be a much more rewarding job for me. I was going to be much more excited to pursue that field instead. So, but with any, you know, career change, you know, changing your paths, there is a little bit of just worry, but that's not to say anything about the program. That's just me and my life and where I'm at, you know, there's just a little bit of intimidation there about me changing paths. But I wouldn't say there's anything about the program, you know, I don't feel too overwhelmed or anything. Um, But I'm also like one of those people that when I do something like I'm all in, like I'm excited to do it. And I want to commit myself 100% to it. So I think that also might go to show like, I'm not going to be intimidated by the amount of work, because that's just who I am. Yeah, we've seen that already. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Yes, that was that was teetering on a topic of imposter syndrome, Matt. Thanks for squeaking that one in at the last second. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> Very important to round out our episode. But to actually round out our episode, I will ask the super deep closing question. And this gets really deep. You can shed a tear if you want. Um, but the question is, and this is from Midwesterner to Midwesterner, okay? Is San Diego, California really that great? Because (laughs) that's all I hear about is San Diego this, San Diego that. We should do a clinic in San Diego. San Diego's the triathlon capital of the world. Like, (laughs) is it really that great? I will say probably from a visiting standpoint, I might say, yeah. Like, compared to Iowa, San Diego is pretty great. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of beautiful things to see. You have the ocean, you have the mountains. You could probably drive an hour right now and there's snow, like you could go skiing. So it is awesome from that aspect, but definitely living in San Diego, there's some things about it that are a little bit more difficult. It's very expensive to live here. It's probably very expensive to visit here too. So there is that all in all, like San Diego, you know, I will, I will give it a thumbs up for sure. <laughs> you know, I do enjoy uh, living here. Yeah. Another <laughs> thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was going to squash the theory right at the end. (laughs) Well, coming from Iowa, I'd say like, especially right now, like I won't lie, it's 65 degrees out. And I know for a fact in Iowa right now, it's like 10 degrees. So that's been Mm kind of nice. I remember many, many nights where I was like, wow, there's nothing to do. Like, 
let's go for a <laughs> let's go for a drive i guess because we, what else is there to do we'll go get a, a smoothie or something but um now that i live in san diego i just feel like there's a, almost too much to do i want to go running out the trails but i also want to go meet my friends for for brunch you know like there's just more exciting things to do here i suppose than in iowa <laughs> good to know okay well <laughs> So sorry to not give you the answer that you wanted, I guess. <laughs> okay, Jessica, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. I'm glad we got to share you with our listeners and with our athletes. That This is not the last you'll be hearing from, from her. So, Not by a long shot. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> well, now you know about Jessica and you can learn even more about her by staying in touch with our Coaches of Color Initiative. You can follow us on Instagram at Coaches of Color Initiative or learn more at 8020foundation.org. But to close up the podcast, we end with our segment, of course. What is your jam, Matt? What's your jam this week? My my jam is... Uh... So I had a rough day health-wise yesterday. I was in and out of bed. And I'm not like a feeling sorry for myself type of person generally, but I was feeling a little bit sorry for myself yesterday. I threatened to create a playlist, Songs for Long Haulers on Spotify. Haven't gotten around to it yet. But if I, if I ever do, the first track for sure will be Ben Harper's Don't Let Me Disappear. Like that is, that he, I don't know what he was actually writing about. Um, but he was probably feeling sorry for himself when he wrote that song. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a, you know, Ben Harper, if you don't know, is like kind of a, you know, a folk artist and it's a folky song. With, it's absolutely gorgeous. But um, yeah, it's exactly how I feel like in, in my worst moments with this illness is that I'm, I'm disappearing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, kind of a lifeline. Music is so powerful in that way. Just like there's a song for every occasion. And yeah, even in your lowest lows, you can just, some artist has created a little gem that like just pulls you out, even though like it's a chance to sort of wallow in your self-pity, but somehow that makes it better. Um, yes. So everyone goes through something. So next time you're going through something and you're feeling a little sorry for yourself, cue up Ben Harper's Don't Let Me Disappear. Yes. Yeah, I agree. For some reason, like wallowing with music makes you feel better. (laughs) It's probably some sort of connection piece, right? Because that artist has created a song that makes you feel exactly how you're feeling. Um, Yeah, music is great. My jam, um, a little bit happier. (laughs) So if you listen to that one and you're down in the dumps and you really need to pick me up, this one is an upbeat, happy one. Kind of sounds like if you were to have a crush on someone, I feel like this is what it would sound like. Um, It's called Supernatural by Ruby Waters. Really like this artist. Honestly, don't know much about her, but I have a few songs of hers saved, and she's just cool. She's funky, Um, and like I said, pretty pretty upbeat. If you have a crush on someone, listen to it. (laughs) It'll probably make you smile. (laughs) (laughs) What are you telling us? No, that's it. That's all I have to share. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for listening. As always, do check out our show notes for deals with our presenting sponsor, Inside Tracker. We didn't mention them at the front of the episode, but they're still there. Do check out a20foundation.org, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.